0: Testing, testing, one, two, three, is my voice good enough to record, Phoebe? What do you think? I wish it was just a froggy voice, but it seems like it goes in and out, plus I've got a cough, plus, I mean, I really want to do my 300th episode, like right now. It is 10 minutes to nine on Sunday night, the 26th of March. But I can't have my 300th episode possibly paused because my voice couldn't do it. That can't happen. The 300th episode idea is one that has a clock started and then will end. So, uh, what do you think, Phoebe? Pause. Um, yeah, I just realized I'm not really um, giving anything away now because this is the beginning of the 300th episode. So what my intention is, is to take mushrooms and then start the movie 300. And try to get all the way through it. Commenting on that movie is something I've wanted to re-watch. I haven't seen it since it was in the theaters. Now, to be fair, my last roommate loved that movie and put it on in the house frequently. So I've seen scenes in it multiple times, scenes I remember well. Um, <clears throat> but I have not seen the whole movie back to forward in one sitting, since the theater, I only saw it once, and and the the reason that I found the movie at the time, uh, a, not a waste of time, was its art direction and its its use of of current um, animation as it were techniques in the actors' uh, overlay. I I thought the whole thing was presented in a picturesque and almost brought a fable to life better than any movie before it. Almost like a like a Narnia movie or something, Bring that book to life. So <clears throat> I appreciated that side of it, but I thought the story was hokey and full of fucking uh, homoerotic innuendo. And, and that I find uh, a rather dismissive opinion of the movie, which maybe changed if I were to watch it on mushrooms. Or maybe I'd fucking hate it. Who knows? And how much of the South Park episode that ripped it, am I confabulating into my opinion of the movie today? I would guess a lot of it. So, that's why I wanted to watch 300 and comment on it as a podcast. Now, the only way to do this is to put 300 on and have my earphones on so I can hear the movie and then record on a room mic uh, what my thoughts are. Now, I'm going to do it from the opening credits to the ending credits. So if you care to see what I'm watching, just turn the movie on. And that's the plan. Now, I'll talk for a few minutes more uh, in life, see if my voice starts to go, and then I'll listen to this and see if this is listenable. Frankly, if this is listenable, I may just do it, because this is the best window for me to take mushrooms. And yeah, I know this fucks with my fucking goddamn month off, but you know what? Considering I'm I'm stopping my job on the 2nd, And if I really want to go out and find a different job, I'm going to have to be able to to, uh, uh, pass a pee test. Well, then, having already stopped smoking weed, I don't really care. I might take a bong hit on mushrooms, I'll admit that. But it's not like I'm going to start smoking weed for the next week. But if I just give it up for April, which no problem, frankly, I don't even mind that I'm not smoking weed that much. But if I give it up for April, then that means at least I can get a drug test passed. So, those are my thoughts. That's another reason that I thought I might take them tonight, because April 1st is Saturday. All that said, God, I got trials and tribulations, don't I? Did I just ask God that? Okay, the more I listen to my voice, the more I think, the problem is that my ears and my nose are plugged up, so I sound to myself ridiculous, like I'm talking underwater. But because it's my ear canal issues that are causing the vibration in my own head to make my voice sound funny, I don't actually think my voice sounds that funny because when I blow my nose, there's nothing in there. So to you, I probably sound about 90% like I normally do. To me, I sound about 30% like I normally do. Now, is this me trying to talk myself into a situation that's in fact worse than I think it is? Maybe. So I will listen to this part again. But because I think that's how my voice sounds, I wanted to quickly get through, sorry for clearing my throat. I wanted to get through the year that was 2006 when this movie came out. For me personally, it was a year of major chaos. I got a DUI that year. Um, I broke up with a girlfriend in the 20th month that year. This was the second Becky. Um, I was with my roommate. When did I go into... Shit, I might have gone into... uh, Hold on. Hey, 2006 is the year of my one and only drug rehab. I didn't really have that put together until right now. Um. So drug rehab, this is the year drug rehab. Huh, holy shit. Well, <clears throat> yeah, so uh, those preceding the drug rehab was in October, November of 2006. Um, anyhow, so there you go. That was personally what was going on. Uh, nationally, well, uh, we're still in Iraq. Uh, Bush's second term is fucking uh, the rich people taking more than they've ever taken before, and us finally noticing uh, that's when people started diving into conspiracy theories. Uh, I saw loose change, I believe, for the first time this year. It might have been the next year, but it was right in this period. And um, and there was no question government's uh, um, respect, hell, the respect toward everything was dwindling. Because everything looked like It was starting to care less about the communal and more about the self. I'll just leave it at that. And I was endemic of it. The whole country was fucking losing its mind. And if you were a good person, you couldn't understand what the fuck we were up to and what had happened to us, what had shattered Team America. And if you were a negative person, well, this was your time. Jump in and stir the fucking pot. So along comes this movie, 300, <clears throat> about a band of machismo uh, stand against all comers who successfully fend off the Persian Empire and save their community, uh, yada yada. And uh, it's, it's a story based on a graphic novel written by a guy named Frank Miller, who does a lot of the avant-garde Batman stuff and some of the high and or at least highly regarded uh, graphic novel work here in uh, the United States mostly in uh, the comic lineup. He, he wrote the Batman and uh, series that became the, the trilogy with uh, the new trilogy. And he did some Daredevil work when I was a kid that I loved. I mean, I'm a big Frank Miller fan. So seeing this movie for its artistic style was my whole point. I'm not a big fan of war movies. I'm not a big fan of violent movies, although I do love Fight Club. I'm not a fan of, um, of movies that uh, leverage the 17-year-old male audience into itself. To me, those are reductive movies, not expansive movies, so rarely do I find them to be something engaging plot-wise, or at least in terms of their overall content, because I never feel like going out and beating the shit out of people. So <clears throat> with that in mind, I'm not implying that if you like this movie, it's because you like to go out and beat the shit out of people. But if you're the kind of guy who likes to go out and beat the shit out of people, this is the kind of movie that might get your attention. And in that way, I, I hate what Hollywood does To always appeal to the basest of our instincts, because that's not even my complaint. You want to make a movie about dudes beating up dudes? I get it. But they take the source material and they add two elements that are unique to the movie, in in my opinion, in terms of composition of the actual story and character development, which is what I do give a shit about. So this matters to me. They bring in an expanded woman part to create sex, which is a rape scene, then they bring in, and I'm sorry if I'm spoiling the movie for you, but what the fuck? I was going to talk about the whole movie during the movie, so how could I spoil it? And then they bring in a corrupt official that doesn't exist in the original source material. And yeah, it drives the plot in a way that's interesting against the males on males' uh, homoerotic fighting. But fuck that. All of Hollywood's interpretations of source material get two things added to them sex and corruption. It's not coincidental. Stop believing everything is about sex and corruption in this world. Because it's not. In fact, there's nothing about this world that's about sex and corruption. That's an entire construct of the human psyche for Hollywood's benefit. And frankly, I'm sick of it. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to watch this movie. Because this movie's... Well, it's a little bit about sex and corruption. But mostly it's about men almost wanting to fuck other men and then deciding to kill them instead. I think. I haven't seen it in 23 years. How do I know? 23. No, not 23. I haven't seen it in 17 years. But... And here's the other thing I realized. So, this was during my last year with Patrick. So, there was very little um, 300 in my house. I just, it must have been his movie of choice because I know I've seen at least a few of the scenes three or four times. And that's a lot for a movie on a DVD or whatever, Blu ray. It doesn't matter. None of this matters. The point is, I thought I had a little bit more familiarity with this movie than I do, which is good. That means I'll be watching it raw again with uh, a couple of my own personal biases going in. Let's see if those biases hold up or if they don't. Now, will I be doing that tonight? Maybe. But you can see, like, if I start this thing and my voice goes entirely and I can't say anything, well, then I'm fucked up. Because then I have to do my 300th episode way down the line. I have to wait for the mushroom clear. And I'm in mushroom clear right now, so, oh, what do I do? I'll listen to this and see how bad it is. All right. So let's knock a few things out of the way, because this is a go. Which means I have to talk, number one, about drug use. And I don't mean to be casual in my regards to my own drug use, because it implies there's a casual attitude uh, toward drug use generally for me. Um, And anybody considering hallucinogenic drugs for the first time, I do not recommend you do that casually. I recommend you do that. I don't recommend you do it casually. Um, Why do I say that? Because... Drug use, for me, has enhanced my life incredibly. And mushrooms, specifically, are the drug of choice in that celebration. So, even people who I think, yeah, you probably don't want to try drugs, but don't take mushrooms off the table. Because if mushrooms were ever something that was of peak interest to you, then you're in the mind frame to do them and have the kind of peak experience that rewards you. And... That is a serious statement of if you do not feel that way, if you're in a party with seven of your friends and they're all going to take mushrooms and you just don't feel like that's a good thing for you, then you don't do it. And mindset going in is 95% of the battle. And if your mindset going in is this is going to be awesome, then it's going to be awesome. And if your mindset going in is I might freak the fuck out, well, then you might freak the fuck out. So, all of that said, I'm not going to freak the fuck out. In fact, what I'm doing now is I'm preparing my environment for the mushroom experience that I want to have. After having done mushrooms hundreds of times, if not a thousand times at this point, there's a there's a, a routine at which I know I'll want certain things. i want a beverage uh, that I like. So, here we go. Mm. Got that at hand. Got an alternative beverage in the fridge that is... Something unique, root beer float milk, so that I can have that experience while tripping. Um, I've got all kinds of candy varietals that I like, especially jelly bellies. To me, mushrooms and jelly bellies go together better than anything. I've got strawberry applesauce because I like to eat something sweet and fruity, and this is a good, flavorful mouthful of goodness. Oh my God, I love a mouthful of applesauce when I'm tripping. So these are things that I enjoy. The environment now, I've got my space heater on in my room so that the room is extra toasty, which is probably too much at this point, but then I can open a window for fresh air and feel that. I know exactly what I'm doing. So I'm about to eat these mushroom chocolates and start this movie, and then off we go. But before I do that, I'm going to walk my dog and take care of the things I need to take care of pre-mushroom trip. So that the next five hours of my life can be completely self-indulgent, which they're going to be. Except for the part where I share that movie with you. And I'm sure at this point, ninety percent of people who would have started this have stopped it. So, Mom, um, you probably should stop this too. So here I go, talking to the universe alone. It's my thing. It's what I'm good at. Pause. Alright, it's now eleven oh one on the twenty sixth of March. And this is on. I'm about to eat the chocolate. Dogs walked, the house is intact, all my stacks necessary are in the correct position. I um I do know that this is going to be a challenge of a podcast to listen to. Because this is an hour and fifty-six minute long movie. And I'm sort of thinking that I'm gonna crap out on this idea forty-five minutes into the movie, because the mushrooms will be rolling fucking hard at that point, and it'll just be hard to comment on this movie in a way that's listenable. And since, for whatever reason, lately listenable content matters to me, I'm not going to endure a mushroom trip of a violent machismo movie that I can barely stand to watch and put you through that. Neither one of us deserves that, frankly. And um, being a value add to your life is important to me, which is why I guess... Showing you the impact mushrooms have initially is kind of the point of the whole exercise here. 300 episodes in, I deserve the celebration myself because I would never have believed that I could have gotten this far into recording these things. And two, my life's just in enough of a shake-up zone that a mushroom trip right now feels like the right sort of soul progression for me to go through. And uh, I think I might learn some things tonight that I need to know. God, that's good. Anyway, um, this will be my final pause so that I can get my pajamas on and my favorite socks. As well as, ooh, should I shave, Phoebe? No, we're not going to do that. Okay, I'll do that tomorrow morning. But for now, next frame, mushroom trip pause. All right, universe. Here goes the dumbest idea for a 300th episode ever. Watching the movie 300 while mushrooms kick in. Yep. You're welcome. Now, this movie, according to the length of the one I've got, is one hour, 56 minutes, and 32 seconds. I am about to start it. I will tell you exactly when I hit go so that if you want to sync up, you can watch the movie with me. If I don't make it to the end, don't hold that against me. I did a trial run to record to see that this would work so that I could listen and talk at the same time. I only made it two minutes into the movie before I had to shut it off. I'll try to get past this point this time. I think I can, but let's face it, that's a pretty early quit to be optimistic that I'm going to make it through the whole movie. Plus, I just took 2.4 grams of mushroom chocolates, which are going to kick in here in about 20 to 40 minutes, and that's probably going to change everything. And if I hit the stop button at that point, I think you'll appreciate it. Anyway, on to the movie 300, a movie which, yeah, I guess I've always wanted to re-watch at least once. So, I'm hitting start now. Okay. The title screen opens with that warehouse look from the Warner Brothers studios. It's got Middle Eastern music because it's trying to set a mood early for us to know that this is going to be about what not American people uh, doing things like shop for uh, overpriced peanut butter. And now we're getting another of the studios involved or something involved, whatever this is, it's... It's actually an old school uh, geometric uh, figure for Legendary Pictures. So I suppose Legendary Pictures is a tax shelter for Warner Brothers Studios. I'm just guessing. Oh, now we have another tax shelter. This one is Virtual Studios. So Warner Brothers Studios, Legendary Pictures, and Virtual Studios are all bringing you the movie 300 and a whole lot of fog and cloudy, misty uh, overtone. It opens with lightning to set the the title screen, and the title screen is Splattered Blood. So, if you don't know this movie is rated R, you just figured it out. Oh, and then the very first shot are skulls. Literally, skulls. And then a baby. Oh, death and birth. And then narration. Okay, I've always been told that narration is the laziest form of filmmaking. So, this is already, this is, uh, what, a 10 for lazy? Now they're talking about how, if you are anything but... Ready for battle as a baby, you're discarded because you're no use. I mean, this is just honing your own insecurities. From the time he could stand, he's baptized in the fire of combat. From the time he could stand, he's a seven-year-old boy learning to fight with swords against a man twice his size. Who is literally beating him to the ground while his mother watches on anxiously. This is the opening scene of the movie, and we are how far into this movie? We are less than two minutes. We are a minute and 50 seconds into a movie that is already setting an overtone of extreme violence. Taught never to retreat. Taught never to surrender. To death on the battlefield. In service to Sparta. The greatest glory you can achieve in your life. You are just being conditioned for nationalism. Knocking on the shield like that's the protectant value of a man and a 7 year old boy nodding like he understands any of this shit it is all awful this is where I quit the first time because at age 7 they throw him out into the wild and let him fend for himself those who can survive that those who can be plunged into a world of violence while being taken from their mother now they're just watching two boys beat the shit out of each other in that slow-mo blood splatter sort of animated effect Oh, it's, and the scene of this kid, this kid, this seven-year-old kid wrapped in a, a turban around his cock with his eyes swollen, looking at you one-eyed, now he's getting rotted and lashed. I mean, hmm, how far into this can I go? I don't want to watch a movie like this on mushrooms. This is constantly tested, tossed into the wild. He's 12, he's getting lashed, 14, he's out here with a spear left to pity against nature's fury. Oh, an initiation. Well, doing the director's cut as a fan is tough because none of these decisions were mine. So I agree with none of them. But the artistic tone of the movie is awesome. Even now, the character development for this threatening animal is fantastic. I mean, it's somewhere between... This Did this movie come out first? Or did that movie, uh, the one with... Uh, with uh Bruce Willis and uh uh the sunglasses movie what was that one called Whatever that might be the next one i watch i 'll watch that one on the six hundredth episode but this scene in terms of picturesque uh cinematography is phenomenal. The kid fighting this this wolf dire wolf it excuse me these two dire wolves is well, it's distracting, I know that much. The giant wolf is savoring the scent of his meal to come. So, we're already seeing that the boy isn't just capable physically. This is increasing his, his tactical cred. Because he's about to use the animal's aggression against itself. This becomes a big theme of the movie later on. And in fact, the move he just made is foreshadowing of moves that get made later in the movie. And the knocking on the shield stuff early is another element of foreshadowing of what's coming next. I remember uh, a lot of the actual final scenes that these call back to, which is hilarious. I don't remember this wolf at all. This is one scene I did not watch multiple times. The beginning of the movie never interested me because Patrick would say, want to watch 300? I'd be like, want to watch something else? (laughs) All right. So he gets to take down the wolf, through tactical advantage and physical perfection. He's the epitome of what Sparta wants in their warrior class. And he is now, how far into the movie, how long did the montage take? It took 5 minutes and 30 seconds? Yes. 5 minutes and 30 seconds later, we're literally getting music that sounds like a requiem. We're getting bowing and praise from all the warrior class to this new emerging boy. Pause for, uh, for some, uh, coughing. Okay. So, now he's the King Leonidas. And we are, well, we're now six minutes into the movie, and he is speaking back to the destruction of the wolf. Oh, this is our narrator. Our narrator's a character. Oh, that's awful. Is that supposed to be some sort of slip into the screen from behind the screen? I don't know. I didn't remember this part. But because I know the narration continues, so how is he a character? Whatever. He's telling us all the fucking prerequisites for a myth. Yuckity yuck. And let's see. The mushrooms have been in my system now exactly 11 minutes. Nothing's really happening yet. Just letting you know. Okay. So we are not seeing King Leonidas yet. The narrator is still speaking his story. And now, at the uh, 6 minute, 45 second mark, comes an enormous background of what looks like angelic origin, and three no, many warrior horsemen riding up over the top. Excuse me, are these the four horsemen of the apocalypse? Hell yeah! Let's see if one of them is named Pestilence. Or is it Mandela affected? Oh, it's not the four horsemen of the apocalypse at all. It's instead, like... Eight horsemen running down a city, it looks like. And they look like they're Arabian. So I believe this is the opening uh, salutation from the other people toward the 300 Spartans to say, hey, uh, we're about to kick your ass unless you want us not to by giving us all your women and boys, or whatever the deal is here. But we're about to find out, so I won't ruin it. They've ridden into the Spartan square, town square, and um, that dude from The Wire is... Part of it, he's here. Now the guy that rode in is pulling a bag full of skulls out and throwing them toward, no, just raising them in triumph as his horse does one of those things, as if to say, don't fuck with me. Back to the training room for boys, where it looks like we got another seven-year-old fucking learning how to fight. And now we have King Leonidas shown with his wife, who is... uh, Lena from... She's the Cersei from uh, Game of Thrones. And Leonidas is now training the seven-year-old boys. I don't know who... Oh, yeah, and this guy uh, is his, like, best bud that's come to tell him that there's a threat in the town square he needs to address. Fight with your head, fight with your heart. It's still all nothing but fighting, right? It's all about fighting. And now... Uh, uh, what's her name? Daenerys. No, she's not Daenerys. She's one of the, she's the other one. She's the sister that fucks her brother. But she, uh, she sends him to the town square. And so now we're seeing that confrontation come to fruition. Where there is uh, a man who's supposed to be dressed as an Arabian. So, of course, he's black and wearing gold. And then there's the dude from The Wire who's going to rape that chick who is uh, from Game of Thrones. And then this dude with the uh, eyebrow ring, uh, because he's exotic, is being told before he speaks. When you say words in Sparta, you are held accountable for the words you speak. Now, what do you have to say? Earth and water. What the fuck? So, here we go. The dialogue here is uh, dismissive of... oh God, oh. this scene is Hollywood at its worst. They're constructing character through trope and uh, and, uh, and reduction in a way that leaves you with nothing but stale characters who are shallow and representing theme, not people. Nothing about this is unique. Xerxes is sending this messenger as of an offering to let Sparta know that if they will submit to the entire will of Xerxes, all earth and water, that Xerxes will consider them not offensive. But that's the line he wants to draw. Submission on every level, earth and water. Now, he didn't include sky and fire, so I suppose if what you're up to is sky and fire, you would say no. But if your earth and water matter to you, you might also want to say no, which is basically what King Leonidas is saying here. But the dude from The Wire is saying, maybe we should listen to this guy, because I'm going to rape your wife later. And now, in a movement of counterproduction, the uh, guy from Persia is saying, choose your words carefully next, because what you say next may determine the fate of you. So, here we have our first tension-developing moment in the movie. And what do we get to see? King Leonidas making a decision mentally by staring at his feet, like all of us do. Now he's thinking about that time when his mom got uh, a picnic together and they went out under a tree. Now he's looking at the women and hugging their daughters about the society and culture that he is a part of that is now under threat from this very man that is standing next to him. So, what is he going to do about it? Well... His wife from Game of Thrones is sending him some messages that say, kill that motherfucker. At least that's what her eyes look like. And his decision is... Mm -hmm. And now the messenger doesn't understand why he's being threatened for his words. Well, nobody comes to My City Steps insults my queen and threatens my people with slavery and death and doesn't think I'm going to choose my words carefully. Persian, you should have done the same. This is madness, says the messenger. Nobody kills a messenger for the message. Well, you shouldn't have come to Spots, that motherfucker, because we do that here. Wait, did he gain an extra eyebrow ring? Did he have two in that last scene? And then he looks to his wife for confirmation that he's making the right move. I'm not sure I remember that scene. And delivers the famous line and fucking leg kick of, This is Sparta! And now down goes Messenger, as well as the rest of the Arabians. So he's essentially cementing the fate of his people with his decision that we will stand up against all odds... And fight off you and King Xerxes, the Persian Empire, and all the threat it represents by throwing these guys into a well of, I don't know what, bottomless pit? Who cares? That's how it's portrayed in the cinematography. All right, I'm going to take a pause on the commentary for a second, but the movie's going to keep rolling. So if you're watching the movie in real time, don't stop the movie. I just need to get something to drink and uh, clear my voice. Okay, i got to have a little commentary here about the fact that they're doing the whole, like... Fighting uh, Luke Skywalker fighting his own demons sees his father as his biggest threat. There always has to be a sense in these kind of movies that are just about violence that somehow the violence is about overcoming the demons that live within. Because they want you to believe you have demons within you. It's just bullshit. You don't need to climb some mountain to find some yogi to tell you what your life's about. You just have to ask your own self. All this appealing to authority, all this looking for something to give him a sign of what's coming, he he has all of that within. They externalize this in Fable so that you don't think you have the power to succeed with all the skills you already have. So, I just wanted to get that out. If we're singing up the movie, he just threw down all the gold coins in front of the fucking creepy-looking oracles, I'm going to take the next four or five minutes of the movie to get some shit going, and then we're going to uh, get back to the commentary. So, Uh, Keep watching the movie if you're watching it, and then I'll be back in about two minutes of movie time. Okay, I was wrong. These are mystics, not oracles. And we're back to the narration, because frankly, this is the part of the movie that's just useless. I mean, we're creating tension that doesn't exist, because Leonidas is the king, so he's going to make the decision. But he has to go to some mystics who then have to appeal to an oracle. He has to explain his whole plan to these people, so that in some way, there can be enough tension that we feel like... Oh, what is he doing? Or, oh my God, this is going to be awful. Or, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's it's crafted drama of no consequence. So, now we're watching some naked woman who's just on the screen for what reason? I have no idea. Pause. Okay, I think she's the oracle. And we have seen her breasts gratuitously now uh at least seven times. And it's just... So, these creepy fucking mystics choose only the most beautiful Spartan girls to be their myth to be their oracles. This is fucking gross. I mean, if I'm a woman, I walk out of the theater right here. Pause. And the oracle is uh, claiming that Sparta will fall. In fact, all grace will fall. Trust not in men. Good advice there. That's our best advice so far. Honor the gods. Uh, okay, whatever. Honor, Honor the Carnier? What? Alright, so getting off this mountain is harder. Pause. Okay, the cinematography on the guy that just did the uh, the giggling laugh of corruption was phenomenal. I loved it. Turn the movie on for it. Now we're seeing Leonidas' butt, because we saw that naked oracle, I guess. But we'll never see his dick, because that would make it rated X. And he's going to touch his wife's breasts, who is that chick from... Uh, Game of Thrones. And I didn't mean to say chick dismissively. Sorry for that. That's that's bad. Her name is, uh, I'll look it up, Lena Headley, I think, if I remember right. And, uh, and she is actually a pretty good actress. I really liked her in Judge Dredd, which was a tough part. So I have a lot of respect for her. And the fact that she's in this movie actually elevates the movie. Her part is ridiculous, but her presence is welcome. Um, I don't know if we've seen her boobs yet, so maybe I was wrong about her gratuitous boobs. I just figured they'd come after his gratuitous butt shot. A lot of gratuitous nudity in, in Hollywood, which I have no problem with because, frankly, nudity is fine. But the fact that we use such um, <laughs> 18th century uh, morals against our own sense of what nudity is today is disappointing. Oh, breasts. I knew we'd see them. Hollywood is nothing if not dependable. All right. Pause. Okay. I actually appreciate the fact that he is consulting his wife in his biggest decisions. I can't imagine that any of our bigger challenges aren't confronted as both the male and feminine perspective. As a matter of fact, the idea that you would do anything else is pigheaded to me, but I'm going to skip the sex scene. Oh, they skipped the sex scene for me? Oh, no, here it comes. I'm going to skip this part. You guys can watch the sex scene without me. Okay, I'm back for the uh, assembly of the original 300. And we're seeing that they're so brimming over with enthusiasm about dying for Sparta that they can't help but come out of their, their initial block formation to announce their enthusiasm. I mean, they are overrun with machismo to die for Sparta. And now they're talking about how they'll only take men who have some level of legacy in their life so that they're not stripping their community of the genetic code that is, say, the Joneses. If you don't have a boy, you don't get to come. But, and now he's calling out some of the kids who obviously are too young to have had a woman's warmth. I mean, again, sex. Sex, sex. We'll sell you sex, because we're Hollywood. Now, here come the old dudes along with, uh, what's-his-name from the wire? The Spartan army can't go to war because that's the law. And so, the essential tension here is between the military and the Senate, in case that's not obvious. And so, here we are between the moral code of the warrior versus the arbitrary, uh... Uh, uh, presence and laws of the Senate. So, with this in mind, the idea that the Senate can take any of King Leonidas' power away from him is demonstrated as absolutely ridiculous. Leaving the Senators with the question, what shall we do, and the response of, what can we do? I mean, it's just emotionally manipulative at its basic level. I'm going to pause again because, frankly, I'm getting a little saliva in my mouth like those mushrooms when I be kicking in. (sighs) Okay, so the implication in this scene, I believe, is that she's pregnant. There's another implication in this scene that he is, as well, one of the 300 committed to the cause because he's got his son. And it was his son who he was training in the training boy room. And now his wife, who is part of his power... Brings over a token of charm, which is some necklace, to protect him in battle. And the Spartan shield is, again, reinforced as the veneer of a warrior and the determination of a man. The look between them is one of committed to the roles that will pull them apart. But honor and truth are more important. We go back to a narrator, which is lazy, so I'm going to be lazy too. Pause. If it is blood to seek, you're welcome to join us. Seriously, these guys meet on the path of doom, and we are now 28 minutes exactly. Happy birthday. 28 minutes into the movie. I have recorded for 22 minutes and 20 seconds, so I'm leaving you alone for about a quarter of the movie as we go so far. So here we have... King Leonidas calling out the fact that these sculptors and blacksmiths and typical dudes willing to give their life for the cause against Xerxes are not warriors, which the Spartans are. It's just, it's again, it's making you feel like you're not worthy because you didn't do the Spartan way. Fuck that. The Spartan way is ridiculous. You don't die for a cause that you don't have any purpose in. The idea that you're born to die for your nation is the dumbest death and life of all. And yet here we are. That's the only life of purpose in Sparta. Back to narration, because there's no way to explain without someone telling you what they're up to, because it doesn't make any sense. So they have to continually reinforce that this is okay. It's okay. These guys are making a decision. That's not fucking dumb. When everything they show is, these guys are making the dumbest decisions of his life. His biggest regret is that he had so few to sacrifice? What is this guy, a psychopath? I mean, oh, the mushrooms are definitely kicking in. And I believe we're about to see Xerxes for the first time, who is a great character in this movie. Oh, no, I think this might be the cripple. The cripple, is this a cripple? I don't know, might be. The young boy has noticed that we're being followed. So he was worth bringing along, even if he's never had fucking sex. He's been following us since Sparta. So, of course, Leonidas is already onto the fact that this guy's been following them, because nothing gets past this guy. Man, if this isn't a whole bunch of men wanting to be with men, ugh, I don't know. Ugh. This is not my kind of movie, obviously. But, now something's on fire. Is this the Persian army and their wayland of destruction? Could be. King Leonidas looks concerned for the first time ever. They can't figure out where all the people are. The Persians got them. Okay, I'm going to pause. This is just a bunch of fucking death and destruction, ominous foreboding notions of what's to come, and uh, just how powerful this Persian army is. So, we see a skull. We see further destruction. We're seeing the world in chaos. And the Persians are the cause. Is any of this true? No. It's just for a movie's purpose. So don't take it seriously. Here comes some other foreboding moment. So I'm going to go not be foreboding. Okay, isn't this a little... This is terrible. This kid shouldn't be in this movie. The scene that involves a child is just to make you think that the Persians are so bad that they'll destroy children. And then it's a homoerotic child with a boy, let's be honest. And he's talking about how the Persians are full of blackness. This is reinforcing all of the worst of your thoughts in one moment. Pause. Okay, just so we can sink back to movie time. I am currently 32 minutes and 22 seconds into the movie and 25 minutes and 42 seconds into the recording. Pause. Okay, so now we're getting the reinforcement of how bad the Persians are from that other society full of, like, barbers and fucking postmen. You know, secondary men. And they found the uh, victims of the Persian Empire's conquest because they stacked all their bodies into some sort of formation of a tree of doom. I don't even know what that's supposed to be, but it's supposed to be awful, and it is. So, if you don't feel the sense of foreboding in this movie at this point, well, you're not watching the same movie. Now comes the cripple. These are the scenes I do remember. So, Xerxes is on the prowl. The Spartans have run into his death in destructive ways. And somebody is following the Spartan army. That's the cripple. Pause. Alright, having the narrator as a character is definitely tripping me out. Uh, not because of the mushrooms. It's like, it's terrible. I hate that they did that. They're showing the Persian army has come on ships. Oh, no, these are the Persian ships. Yeah. So, there's glory of God behind the Spartan initiative because God is destroying the Persian ships. They are breaking apart in the waters. This scene's cinematography is phenomenal. The whole element of the water is phenomenal. This is why the movie was redeemable. These moments of cinematography, and frankly, the banging music. And again, the narrator is pointing to the only savior for the situation is Leonidas the King. I think that we're about to see the rape scene. So I'll tell you what, if I'm wrong, I'll be back soon. If I'm right, I'm not going to watch the rape scene with you. I obviously hate any violence toward women. So this is awful. The pseudo-Shakespearean dialogue that comes in this scene is pretentious and out of place. Freedom isn't free at all because it costs a buck on five. Okay, I'm back because that wasn't the rape scene. That was the setup so that the rape scene is even more shocking. By having a nobleman visit her first, the next man that visits her and compromises her will look that much more evil because he is. He's a fucking douchebag. And what was his name on the wire? It was... Kanicki? Something like that. Okay, I accidentally turned the volume all the way up. Sorry for shouting at you. But 28 minutes and 23 seconds into this, they're now uh, scouting out the Persian army for real, getting a sense of what they're up against. And they're uh, going insane at the same time. So, again, comparing resumes here, this is warrior cred uh, looking for a beautiful death dying in a noble way. Perhaps today is a good day to die. Name your fucking useless paradigm of dying for a cause and we're about to go through it. Now, I shouldn't say it's useless to die for a cause. It's not. But it's useless to be tricked into a cause and die for a cause that you're not a part of because you believed in a cause that wasn't exactly the cause you were fighting for. This, protecting your culture against invading armies... This actually might be a cause worth dying for. But that would be a personal decision, not a national decision. You don't get drafted into this. You decide to come. Oh, and this is where they make the Persians look awful. Because nothing's more awful than taking advantage of children and building a wall filled with horror, which is what we're about to see. I'm going to pause for a second, because I need to watch this for a second without talking. Okay, this scene is entirely cinematic. Violent and homoerotic. Uh, In that order, I think. So, threats versus each other in ways that are Hollywood-esque, followed by strategic developments going the way the Spartans had planned. And now, enter... The Cripple. Who is a monster, according to Leonidas's right-hand man. We're 41 minutes and 16 seconds into this movie, and I gotta say, the mushrooms are kicking in pretty good. So, at this point, I'll talk a little bit about mushrooms. I'm starting to get some oral distortion that's familiar. The saliva in my mouth is rolling through my, my senses. I can, I can swallow and immediately have a mouthful of saliva again. And I'm starting to really warm up. So, I'm gonna crack the window, take a break, and get something to drink. Okay, now remember, the whole thing opened, saying that unless you're perfect, you're not worthy of Sparta. And so here we have the very definition of imperfection come and offer himself and all of his beating heart to the cause that King Leonidas is asking his men to fight for. He's armed and he's ready, proving that he also has physical skill, dedicated to the end trying to avenge his father. He presents everything a warrior represents, except perfection and physical. And so here, as King Leonidas sees his shield not capable of being raised up over his head in true Spartan fashion, he says he has the one failing that he can't accept, which is he can't fight the Spartan way. So he's going to deny him an opportunity to fight at his side and send him instead to fulfill the prophecy of the Spartans, so instead of accepting his Spartan citizenship as good enough, his manifestation in this place and time as coincidental enough. No, nope. he says there isn't a place on the battlefield for you as a warrior, but there is a place on the battlefield for you as a cleaner up of the dead, as a bringer of the water to the men who are fighting. Leonidas is a dick. Pause. All right, and for the first time cinematically, we're truly seeing the gra- grandeur of the Persian army. And, again, cinematography in this movie is phenomenal. This, the sound and overall texture they present is fantastic. And here comes Leonidas with his bumper sticker slogans. This is a good day to die. Oh, uh, pause. Okay, so we're getting the back and forth initials of, Hey man, lay down your weapons so we don't have to do this thing. Hey man, fuck you, we're not going to lay down our weapons, we're going to do this thing. In fact, the Spartan Retard is a goddamn spear to the chest. So, bring it, Bitches. He literally says, hold, give them nothing, but take from them everything. I mean, if that's not humanity at its best, what is? Okay, sorry about the cough, but here we are deep into some serious man-on-man homoeroticism. This is the battle scene, initial battle scene, that involves all kinds of up-close man-on-man action. This is Hollywood at its gayest. And listen, I'm fine with Hollywood, and I'm fine with gay. No, I'm not fine with Hollywood, but I am fine with gay. But I'm not gay. So sitting through this sort of soft gay porn stuff, it's always a little bit disorienting. And then you throw in the violence, the bloodshed. I mean, this, this just isn't my kind of movie. Not at this point. So I'm watching it for the art direction only now. And the cinematography is fucking impressive. And the violence is fucking violent, and the homoeroticism is fucking homoerotic. So, we'll stick with that cinematography part. And again, the scene clearly is reinforcing that there is a difference between being born to be a warrior versus versus people drafted into or choosing to become a warrior. If you were born to be a warrior, much like last year's Final Sweet 16, well, then you're in the right job. Otherwise, you're going to die. And if it happens in this movie, it's going to be bloody. They look thirsty. Let's give them something to drink. That's the best they could come up with right there. I mean, I love falling to my death scenes, especially ones as beautiful as this one. And in case you didn't know what to think of the movie, they tell you right here. Hell of a good start. Hell yeah. And 50 minutes and 20 seconds into the movie, we finally see the true Persian authority with the... Darkening of the skies with all the arrows that they can sling. And these are real arrows, not metaphorical, harmful, emotional arrows like we like to sling at each other. And a quick callback to the fight in the shade line, which was dumb to start with. But hey, I mean, this movie's dumb, right? It's made for 17-year-olds, so of course it's dumb. And again, more homoeroticism showing Gerard Butler and fucking cutting the cock, the arrow, whatever. I mean, come on. Okay. Okay. So if you made it this far into the commentary with me, we're a minute and... Oh no, we're 51 minutes and 51 seconds into the movie. Booyah! Look at that! 35 minutes and 46 seconds into the recording. So now in addition to the arrow attack, we see the Persians bring their their horse-mounted warriors, whatever. All of this shit is just building on video game imagery of my past. We're back to a narrator, so it's being lazy. So I'm gonna hit pause. And again, this is a whole lot of reinforcing the narrative that this is what we were born to do. Yada yada yada. So this part of the movie's boring. I would definitely consider the best time to go get popcorn right now. But in true Hollywood fashion, we have to flash back over to the uh, current situation in uh, Sparta itself. And since in exactly two minutes I'll have been 60 minutes into the mushroom trip, which I'm starting to get some visuals now, so the shit's really starting to happen. But I thought I should at least pay homage to my own deterioration of mental state in accordance to where the movie is deteriorating in any interest to me whatsoever. And um, here we see uh, Lena Headley, I believe her name is. I don't know what her name is. Princess Leonidas in this movie. Um, She's walking through the town, and everybody respects her because that's what you do to the king's wife, right? You pay her respect. Unless you're going to rape her later. And again, in true Hollywood fashion, to tug on your dumb emotional strings rather than the true ones you have, they send back uh, the plot device of the senator to whom she pays counsel so that the next senator's visit looks all that much more of a transgression. Yada, yada. Stupid shit we don't care about, right? Pause. And since we're at a point in the movie that I don't give a shit about the movie, I should talk about the fact that I am actually creating a podcast, which is an audio experience of one-on-one narration about a movie I'm watching that you're not watching potentially, and that self-indulgent level is not escaping me. I realize it. Which is part of the reason I'm taking mushrooms to help make this worth your time. Oh, that might be my worst circular reasoning of self-indulgence ever. Okay. I gotta be honest, I'm a little surprised that it's 55 minutes and 10 seconds into the movie before the rape scene uh, occurs. And I think I'm finally to the rape scene, so I'm done, Uh, but a boy's involved. Now we got pedophilia plus rape. Oh, Hollywood. So confirming the dumbest of Hollywood scripts, the earlier intonation she made about uh, whispers and forces against her just revealed itself as Kenickie from The Wire. Was his name Kenickie in The Wire? I hope it was. Hey, it's now uh, the 20, what day? 27th? Hey, it's March 27th, Monday, at 12.05 a.m. Happy March 27th, everybody! And, uh, currently in the movie, they're refueling because, you know, fucking battles take a little bit of physical stamina out of you, so you gotta eat an apple so you can recover. That's what they're up to. 38.38 on the recording. We are 56 minutes and 38 seconds into the movie, and I'm gonna pause for a second. Ah, damn, he was McNulty. Of course he was. McNulty, McNulty, McNulty. Uh... Omar, oh, God, I missed The Wire. If you are done with this podcast, and I can see why, go watch The Wire. Pause. Okay, but looking at my phone definitely lets me know the mushrooms are fucking kicking in. So, here we are. Xerxes is now face-to-face with uh, King Leonidas. And Xerxes is about as ornately decorative as a Christmas tree. And as tall as one. And is proving that people just fucking bow down to become stairs for him. But if this isn't homoerotic and somewhat effeminate, then, really, I have completely misunderstood those terms my entire life. So I should pause and try to introspect a bit, huh? Thirty-nine, thirty-nine. Okay, Xerxes goes a little far here, let's admit. But, fuck man, if you're going to make an entrance into the room, no, this one fucking kicks ass. Um, I can't resist... Turning this back on to say, women shouldn't be dismissed in movies like they're being dismissed in this one. This movie is a one big slap to the fucking face of all women. And for that, I disrespect it entirely. Hey, he's getting that back rub that a guy at work gave me. That was uncomfortable. And as if to pay a little respect to King Leonidas, the Persian king is willing to give him all of Greece and the rulership therein. So, of course... What is Leonidas going to say to that? But, what, you want me to be the, what, bottom bitch? In this movie, I already am the bottom bitch. What am I gaining here? Okay, the movie carries on in the background while I don't listen to this scene because this is a scene I've seen a ton of times, so I'm pretty sure I know what's going on. But if any part of this movie I'm confabulating with the South Park shit, we're in the middle of it right here. But the mushrooms are starting to kick in big time. Like The visuals are getting great. Oh my God, I really want to listen to this music instead of this stupid movie. But um, uh, I'm an hour and 36 seconds into this movie right now. And that means there's 56 more minutes of this. And I'm going to be tripping my ass off on mushrooms, apparently, for the next 56 minutes. That's only going to grow more intense. So if this isn't the perfect 300th episode, I don't know what would have been. And I'm listening to none of the clever banter going back and forth here that I can tell they're trying to uh, insinuate through the visuals. But I'm sure it's all overtones of uh, if we weren't soldiers together, would we put it in each other's butt? Probably, yeah. Okay. Now, am I wrong? Maybe. But I'm not far wrong if I'm wrong. So the room's getting all swimmy and visuals are starting to become uh, that uh, f- mushroom... Uh, what is it? Like a, a gauze of reality is starting to be stripped off. Whatever. That's definitely enforced. Plus, uh, here comes another round of what? Now they gotta fight the ninjas? I forgot what this scene is, so I'm gonna put my headphones on listen a bit. Let's try to get back on task. Um, yeah, I think these are ninjas or something. Uh, dumb. But plugging in the headphones and turning up the volume. These are the Elite Warriors, because they brought drums. This is the deadliest fighting force of all of Asia the Immortals. So, this actually calls back to a connection in Frank Miller's uh, arsenal. So, way to go, Hollywood. Cross-purpose whenever you can, right? The God-King is betrayed a fatal flaw. Hubris. Goddamn straight, he's hubris. He's hubris personified. As if there was any other way to be. That's how Spartans are. So, we're about to see the Mad King versus Xerxes versus... I don't even know what, but they're throwing every trope of nonsense at you they possibly can. Pause. Okay, I gotta be honest, this movie's probably jumped the shark at this point. Considering the mushrooms, I'm also starting to really experience, which, I don't want to watch this... Uh, Okay, I'm gonna do it, because I said I would. But, if you're tripping mushrooms, and you start to have a dissociative experience that's taking you somewhere else, and... Violent nature of a movie is something you don't want to experience, you should shut it off. I'm going to persevere for purposes I can't even explain, but you would never do this if you were on Mushrooms. Unless you love the movie 300, and then we're doing exactly what you should be doing if you're on Mushrooms. Okay, and back to a lot of the traditional 300 cinematography it's known for, the spluttering of blood. I mean, they get to do it all over again just with different lighting and different characters involved. And that narrator's a character again. That's so dumb. I will say, this scene feels like it's stealing a whole lot from Lord of the Rings. Okay. I gotta admit, I just wouldn't let my dog out, so I missed, like, the first or the last 90 seconds of the movie. Just so you know. But, I mean, what did I really miss? I think I know exactly what happened. And here we have King Leonidas fighting off. Literally, with his one eye maneuvering the king of the next wave of assassins so nothing takes down Leonidas not even the dude who just lost his head trying to do it All right, I'm getting some intense visuals outside of my reality like the mushrooms are definitely kicking in and just on a personal note since the movie is in one violent scene after another mode um, it's snowing like literally what the fuck man I didn't think it was going to snow, but yes, it's snowing. In the movie, it's snowing blood. Okay, so we've stacked up violence in, uh, in most of the last scenes to the extent that we're due for some sex and some corruption, right? I mean, that's got to be what's coming next. Oh, I mean, I, I'm sorry. First, we have to praise our king. Uh, have a moment of haru haru for our homoeroticism, and then, then comes the sex and corruption, which of course, what's more corrupt than a rape scene, right? I'm not going to talk during. Uh, in fact, I'll be back after the rape scene. I'm going to take a moment to enjoy the movie's uh, presence without me. Okay, so for syncing up the movie, I am currently one eleven eleven. Hang on. <laughs> All right. Sorry for the coughing. I can't do anything about that. Um, so, except apologize. Here we see that Xerxes is receiving nothing but bad news that the uh, armies that he keeps sending are defeated by uh, the Spartan king. Even his rhinoceros and his deformed giants, none of it's working. So, I'll be back after the rape scene. Although, I do have to say the cinematography on the elephants. And if I remember right, there are some dinosaurs in my show up here. I mean, Hollywood does like to be excessive, but this is crazy shit, so. Okay, so the movie plays on in the background, yada yada. I've really kind of almost lost interest in the movie entirely at this point, but I will persevere to the end for you. Because nothing could feel less uh, interesting than that, could it? Anyhow... My impressions of the movie overall so far are it's way too violent, the themes are awful, and the tropes that it preys upon are reinforcing the worst of our instincts in our humanity. But it really is pretty to watch. And then just in the moment that I need it to most disappoint me, it slays the innocence of the one true noble character in the movie who represented the purity of our humanity. Well, they just beheaded him. Uh, you want to unleash the heart of the warrior? way well, you do that is by killing the innocence that resides within all of us. In other words, if you really want to be a warrior, you better be ready to kill your humanity. Okay, what does this movie make me think more than anything? Bring on the fucking matriarchy already. And I had forgotten that I we hadn't seen the... Uh, the Elephant Man goes through the Persian uh, uh, whorehouse scene yet. But here we are. If you enjoy watching the scene, I don't think we're going to be friends. And watching the scene on mushrooms is an experience into itself. Ironically, and yes, ironically, his messaging is something I can get into. Never submit your will of life to anybody. Remember that. This whole scene is terrible. And soon to be followed by the most unwatchable scene in the movie, I Apologize to All Women for this scene's existence. And during this scene on Mushrooms feels somewhat like karmic retribution for my own fucking misdeeds in life. But this scene is nothing but violence toward women. So to sync out exactly where we are in terms of movie time, I just hit 120 eleven and forty-eight thirty-two in terms of my own recording. The words in this scene are very specifically intended. The scene is beneath awful. This will not be over quickly. You will not enjoy this. The scene is ruining my mushroom trip. And the cinematography transition of that scene I had forgotten about, but, fuck, that scene's horrible. And it's over, so I'm not going to speak of it again, except that violence toward women in our society is endemic and everything. in Hollywood has it in every fucking movie. So, it continues throughout this movie, but not in that overt of a sense, thank God. Pause. Okay, so, there's like 33 more minutes of this movie to go, including the credits. They're at the point in the theater timeline that they have to send in the last bit of dramatic uh, 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 counterpoint. Oh, my God, I can't even speak. I'm fucking high on mushrooms right now. Oh, the visuals are awesome if I just shut my eyes and don't listen to the movie. I still don't want to watch this rest of this movie while I'm tripping on mushrooms. But I'm going to do it, damn it. Uh, why? I don't even know at this point. But it's my 300th episode, so fuck yeah! Pause. Okay, so real-time-wise, it's 12.34 in the morning. I am tripping my ass off my mushrooms right now. And the last thing I want to do is finish this movie. I've got my headphones off, so I'm not listening to the movie. It's that scene with the final... uh, We are Spartans, so we're going to defend our land against all incursions. And here comes the noble warrior from old... To say you're doing the right thing. Oh well, this is bullshit. No, this is fucking true. Especially on mushrooms. This is the wrong messaging. I mean, oh God, the world is so filled with violence. It doesn't need... The world just needs more love and kindness. And I guess the reason that I'm leaving those behind who still need love and kindness is because at least they know that's what they need. I know I'm talking about my own personal life because this movie's boring the fuck out of me and I'm tripping on mushrooms, so I'm going to pause because this is as much tripping on mushrooms talk as I want to have. Uh, bye. Okay, so the only uh, scene that any actress of her worth would see having their moment in this movie is happening for Lena Hadley. And after being raped, she deserves it. And frankly, I think she's a great actress. I'm just sorry that she was in this movie. The level of emotional manipulation in this movie is sick. And I'm glad McNulty's about to get his fucking comeuppance and all that. But, ah, this movie. Ah, this is not a good mushroom movie. But you know what is a good mushroom thing? 300 episodes, baby. 300! 300 episodes! Are you nuts? I guess so. And I'm tripping, so fuck it. And even if Bubs sort were of to show up and fucking put McNulty in his place, this scene still sucks. <laughs> this will not be over quickly. Yeah, you got that right. And what's worse than being a rapist? A traitor. Yeah. And, uh, no, that's not true at all, by the way. Not at all. This movie's awful. Why am I still watching it? This is my 300th episode. I've gotten to the final scene of 300. All right, I'll watch the rest of it. Fuck. But I'm going to pause because I shouldn't be talking about it at this point. And for anyone who cares to know, my clock just said one thirty-four, forty-three, forty-four, forty-five. 43, 44, 45. That's where we are in the movie, One thirty-four, forty-five, 45. And I'm about to watch it all because I said I would. But on mushrooms, this movie is prettier than ever. I mean, oh my God, the cinematography is noteworthy, and stands up. <clears throat> this movie reinforces all the worst in us. This is not our humanity at its best. It's humanity at our worst. This is... at least reminding me that I'm a good person. Right, I know I'm tripping on mushrooms and I really shouldn't be speaking my mind in the least as this movie winds down. But... I... am so... Against all the themes in this movie, this is the perfect statement of the anti John. Okay, we're 141 41 in this movie, and I think this is the Leonidas death scene. Xerxes has been hit with the spear, so proving he's not immortal. The themes here are slap you in the face with a piece of Hamish, and yet endure them, I do on mushrooms because of the bad narration at this point? I don't even know why. All I can say about all of this Christ-like imagery at the end is, oh, Hollywood. Okay, we're now um, at the 144.44 mark of the movie, and frankly, yuck. I'm done. This movie sucks. I never want to watch it again. It reinforces everything I think is wrong with how we're conditioned to believe our humanity can be fulfilled because none of these deaths were good deaths. All of this is violence of insecure men being realized in the moment that they were trying to lead a patriarchy instead of being part of a matriarchy that could be great for all of us. And so how's that for a critique of 300? You know what this movie really makes me realize? And so does my 300th episode. It's just how much of humanity needs to be reminded that it is here to do the right thing and got misled in ways that I have so much work to do. But, hey, here we are, uh, with bad narration on all parts involved. An hour and 47 minutes into this movie, I think we've all endured enough of my thoughts of 300 so if ever you wanted a mushroom laced uh review of the movie 300 well here it is me on mushrooms watching 300 enjoy